Hello and welcome to the NHRA Insider Podcast with Brian Loans. The fans have won already. What a spectacular week of competition we have seen. On this episode, a conversation with the new president of PRI, Dr. Jamie Meyer. And there is not a happier human being on planet Earth than the woman in that pro stock car. We're going to talk racing, the future, and what PRI has in mind. Goodbye, Snake, and hello, Ace. This is the NHRA Insider. And the wildest day in the history of this category is finally complete. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another edition of the NHRA Insider Podcast. I am your host, Brian Loans, and this week we're going to be having a very interesting conversation with Dr. Jamie Meyer, who about a month ago became the president of PRI, the Performance Racing Industry Organization. It is effectively a newly formed position that he now will man. And that position comes with a lot of authority. It comes with a lot of responsibility. And it comes with, uh, in these times that we are currently living in, a lot of questions that no one's had to answer or confront before. So we're going to have a lot of conversation with Jamie and uh, Dr. Meyer, I should say. And it's going to be really cool. Um, I've known uh, Jamie Meyer for many years, have uh, admired his announcing skills, and certainly many of you have heard his work over the course of years as well. And many of you know some of the projects that he worked on during his career with General Motors, and we'll get into that a little bit as well. But it's really going to be about what PRI is, what PRI is aiming to do in the future, and why Dr. Meyer will be a good steward for that organization now that he is in this inaugural presidential role. We've had some news inside the world of NHRA drag racing this week. Those of you that are fans of the E3 Spark Plugs NHRA Pro Mod Series may have already heard the announcement or read the announcement, but if you haven't, um, racers approached NHRA and said, hey, listen. You got us on a 12-race schedule. Thanks for the 12 races, but here's the problem. Virtually no one in that group of E3 Spark Plugs Pro Modified racers was going to be able to run the full 12 races as they were laid out. Why? Because most guys are running their own businesses. Most guys can't commit to racing four or five weeks in a row. So what happened was the racers came to NHRA and said, can you cut us some slack here? Can you give us a break? Can you give us the opportunity to try to run for a championship without trying to financially break ourselves? So NHRA went back to the drawing board and they looked at it and said, okay, yeah, we can do that. And what they've decided to do is still a 12-race season, but nine of the 12 races will not be points-gathering events. So that gives people some breathing room. If you see where, and you can go to NHRA.com and check out the schedule where you'll be able to earn points and what are non-points earning events, um, you'll see why they did that. It breaks up some of the very long runs of multiple races in a row, should give those teams some relief to lick their wounds, get parts ready, or to be able to kind of go back to work and make enough money to continue on racing for the end of the season. So it does open up that championship chase, I believe, a bunch because Previous to this particular tweak or change, um, you're probably looking at maybe four or five teams that had the full-on resources to really run for that title. Now it really does open it back up to a very large swath of racers. Um, And I'm going to look forward to seeing who's able to pull it off. I I feel as though, just like in years past, it's going to come down to Las Vegas. We're going to be looking at two or three racers that that are in contention, probably two that are deadlocked basically, and one that's an outside shot, but seems to be the way it works out every year, and boy, it puts on a great show for all the fans, and that Vegas race is always high tension when we have our championships coming down. Last year, Stevie locked it up in Charlotte. I feel like it's going to go all the way to the mat in 2020. 
The other fun thing is, at several events, there will be a Friday Friday qualifying session for Pro Modified Cars, which is neat because they will effectively star on those Fridays. Our Mellow Yellow uh, competitors will be racing on Saturdays and Sundays. So on Fridays, it'll be Lucas Oil Drag Racing Series racers, sportsman racers effectively. And then uh, on several occasions, a Pro Modified qualifying session will happen on Friday night, and that gives them the, uh, the center stage, which is neat. Also... Any E3 Spark Plugs Pro Modified event that has more than 30 entrants on the pre-entry list will include a third qualifying session. Now, when those additional qualifying sessions are added, they will be added to Fridays, is my understanding. So that's kind of a neat thing as well. So the Pro Modified cars, if and when, uh, which will be the majority of these races in my opinion, they have more than 30 pre-entered cars, there will be three qualifying sessions, which is something that no other category on the professional heads-up level will get. Why? Well, with 30 cars, you you effectively really disincentivize people if you're only giving them two shots. You give them the third shot, all, all those 30 racers feel as though they've had an, an even shake in terms of being able to make the field. So, couple of interesting notes there on Pro Modified, and uh, as usual, uh, these developments have been greeted uh, by dread uh, for some people and by adulation from others, and that is the history of the class. So it's going to be very interesting to see how those 9 out of 12 points gathering races work, and of course we have the other storylines like the, you know, the addition of the 960 cubic inch nitrous combination with more weight or the ability to run a centrifugal supercharger now in these categories or in this category uh, which has really kind of had a detrimental effect on turbocharged cars a lot of turbo cars have made the switch over to centrifugal supercharger and that's something we'll talk about as we get closer and closer to the first race things are still looking great for july 11th and 12th at indy and then july 18th and 19th at indy for our two season opening events the first event, July 11th and 12th, will be Top Fuel, Nitro Funny Car, Pro Stock, and Pro Stock Motorcycle. The second event on the 18th and 19th will be Top Fuel, Funny Car, Pro Modified, and Factory Stock Showdown as the four kind of highlighted classes, if you will. Both of those events will be shown live on Sunday on Fox Broadcast Network. So that is uh, really spectacular in terms of being able to showcase this type of drag racing on national live television. Cannot wait to get back. We are finally, you know, inside of 30 days, kind of significantly inside of 30 days now. We can really start counting down exactly when we're going to get things going again. Speaking of Indy, that is where the PRI is headquartered. Not just the PRI show that happens there in the winter, but the organization itself maintains its field office in Indianapolis. And that is why we're going to switch our focus now. Instead of talking about rules and changes, we're going to talk about changes in the racing industry. And one of the most notable changes was Jamie Meyer, Dr. Jamie Meyer, assuming the position of PRI president. So without further ado, I'd like to welcome Dr. Jamie Meyer, the president of PRI, onto the NHRA Insider Podcast for the first time. Doc, how are you doing? Hey, Brian. Good morning. Uh, thanks for the call. Yeah, I appreciate you taking the time to do this. I understand, you know, this is a, it's a, a literally a brand new position, and uh, it's certainly something that um, a lot of us in the motorsports world are excited about. And, you know, my goal today for our conversation is I, I kind of want to let our listeners understand what PRI is, uh, kind of what your new role is going to entail, and, and where, where you're looking to take PRI. So for starters, for John Q. Public sitting at home, what is PRI other than a show in Indianapolis every year? 
Yeah, no, no, and I appreciate the opportunity, Brian, and, and thank you for including me in the program. Uh, yeah, PRI is uh, the premier racing trade show, started in 1986 by uh, Steve Lewis. Uh, it's been in Indianapolis uh, for the last seven, eight years, was in Orlando for a while, and it moved around before then. So uh, it is a place to do business. It is where the racing community comes together. Uh, it's where new product is shown. It's where new sanctioning bodies are formed. It's where people set up their business for the following year. Uh, that that's the crown jewel. Excuse me. That's the crown jewel of the racing industry. Uh, but PRI over the years has become much more than that. Uh, we're a large media company with a print magazine, uh, a very informative website, uh, and all the social media channels to get news out on our constituents. Uh, and most recently, and I'm sure we're going to get into this, but um, we've become more of an advocacy group. Uh, and really, uh, the efforts are to get our racetracks back open. Uh, and we can we can delve into that a little bit further. But uh, largely, PRI is there to help the racing community today and going forward. Yeah, and I think what's, what's important that people probably need to understand, especially in the recent history of PRI, is that uh, PRI always, I don't want to say operated as a wing of SEMA or operated as a, a function of SEMA, but, and I'm not saying it's completely split off. There's still very much uh, unity and very much, uh, you know, synergy, if you will, between the two organizations, but it does seem to me in a positive way that PRI is now really officially standing on its own two feet. And I want to get into what you're talking about in terms of advocacy going forward, but let's just talk a little bit about that in terms of directionally how the organization in the, in the last, let's say six, eight months has really kind of stood up on its own. Yeah, no, it's structurally, you know, you're spot on. SEMA purchased PRI eight years ago. Uh, Scooter brothers was the chairman of the SEMA board at the time and worked uh, with the SEMA staff uh, and the SEMA board of directors to put the deal together. You'll remember there was somewhat of a split with IMIS in Indianapolis and PRI in Orlando and Scooter and the team organized the purchase, worked with the state of Indiana and brought the show back to Indianapolis. Uh, and, and really it has been operated as it's a great show. Let's get it back to that let's do no harm and for good reason it, it is just a great event it is uh, one of one of the top 40 trade shows in the united states with over seventy-five thousand people coming out uh just racing fans in the industry but wade kawasaki was the chairman of the board when i was voted onto the sema board uh, in 2018 he formed the pri task force which was chaired by james lawrence who's a mutual friend of ours and uh, that task force came up with a list of objectives, uh, and one of them was to put a leadership role, uh, a president in charge of PRI, and it's exactly what, what you're asking about. How do we get PRI um, more aggressive? How do we help the industry more? Let's put a leader in position that can help through all of these uh, topics today, but then what's the far-reaching goals of PRI? So. Uh, I, I helped the task force. I didn't really think about it as a leadership role at the time, but as the position was formed, uh, it became really attractive. And I'm, I'm thrilled to have left General Motors after really a successful 15-year run there, helping a lot of drag racers along the way. 
Uh, but PRI has got some incredible uh, runway in front of the organization, and I'm, I'm just thrilled to, to be working with the team right now. Yeah, and uh, and you know, not to take your your history for granted, but you know, you're a guy who you know started his own racing organization, the Moms Racing Organization, drag racing uh, in the upstate New York area, correct? And back in the day, and uh, then your involvement with General Motors and Chevrolet Performance and GM Performance throughout the years, uh, having a a hand, a role, as so many did, in you know the revival of the Copo program. And a lot of the you know kind of innovations we saw through Chevrolet Performance, whether it's the E-Rod program and other uh, other programs, you worked with a great group of people that yeah. brought performance to a lot of uh, a lot of folks that were wanting for it out of out of General Motors and Chevrolet. So I do feel like in in your history as a uh, self-absorbed drag racing guy myself, I, I feel very happy that we have a drag racer, if you will, as the first president of PRI. But I also understand that you guys. In your organization, you know you can't be a one-note band. You know this is this is the performance racing industry, not the drag racing industry organization. Yeah, no, no, absolutely, and I, you know, I appreciate the kind words. And as usual, you're you're well studied. And uh, yeah, I, it's been a great run through my drag racing career. But I got great exposure at GM with the circle track efforts, and then all of the professional teams, Brian, in, in several sports. So uh, we're talking about NHRA on, on this podcast, but uh, IndyCar, NASCAR, and the world of circle track have a huge uh, I- impact on the industry. And then you see that at the PRI show. Yes. Uh, for sure. You, you know, one of the things we're doing, Brian, is we've brought on three PRI ambassadors to start helping all sorts of racetracks get back online. So uh, we've, we've hired Tom Deary, formerly of the World of Outlaws, who has a massive knowledge about the circle track world. Also, Frank Hawley from the NHRA Drag School and Gene Bergstrom. So those three ambassadors, uh, track by track, are working through the industry to try to identify areas where certain regulations are holding tracks from, from opening and then leveraging the D.C. office of SEMA and, and PRI, getting those lawyers involved and trying to help where we can. You know, right now the bottleneck is to get tracks open, Brian, and then we can get racers to the tracks, and then manufacturers can build more parts and fans can enjoy the show. Yeah, and I think this is critically important for anybody listening uh, to this podcast. I think that last piece of information is critically important and I think should make um, should make everybody that's listening uh, maybe the heartbeat tick up a little bit because you know there are um, overriding sanctioning bodies in this country and there are overriding motorsport organizations there's ACUS or ACUS the you know that basically is the American uh, wing of of the FIA which is great but what these times in my mind require and obviously what the approach is on on the end of PRI these days is exactly what you're doing is reaching out to the actual mom and pop track operators and how can we help you because it's one thing for the uh, sanctioning body a big organization to you know to work on some upper level but at the end of the day you know motorsports no matter who wants to argue with me or not on this motorsports are always driven from the bottom up in terms of their health and so for PRI to have an active role on a effectively track by track basis to me is is spectacular that's great 
Well, yeah, thank you. Let me add to that a little bit. So we've got the ambassadors in place, right? So they've got their network of tracks that they work with. But you're right, there's a lot of these small tracks, and we've all been to them, that are really standalone, uh, family-owned operations. Uh, and they're wonderful, right? They're the, the core of, uh, of their community and really the fabric of America, uh, if you're if you're into racing to to our extent, but we've we've worked to put the call center to action at PRI, so we're actively calling them. And the first part of it is just to say we know that times are tough. A pandemic's hit. You may be shut down. This is PRI calling. What do you need? What can we do to help you? And then we've got a larger survey going out to the same folks to ask them questions about how impacted they've been what percentage of their season are they going to be able to run? And we'll share that data on the PRI website. So racers can get some information, but think about our manufacturers. They're on limited workforce. Yeah. They may they may not even be open. How do they plan for this season, and how do they plan for 21? So there's a lot of angles to this, and, and PRI is trying to lead the way. You're in a very unique position right now uh, in 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 every respect and and it's it's a cliche thing to say but but when we actually kind of take a a, a little bit of a deeper look into the the position you have right now and then the the actual societal you know overriding times we're living in one you're the inaugural president of an organization so um playbook wise you're there really isn't one and then two um, we're in this this kind of moment in, in time and in history where there's, you know, some pretty daunting challenges facing the racing industry, facing the performance industry. And the ideas of just doing the same things we've always done or just doing the typical default things don't really exist. So can you speak a little bit about that in terms of you personally? I mean, you know, in some ways, this gives you the ability to maybe stretch your legs and try some things leadership wise and directionally that you wouldn't be able to in, in calmer times, but I'm sure it does carry its uh, specific challenges. Yeah, it's a complicated time. Uh, people are in a lot of trouble with their business or people just aren't enjoying their normal way of life. Their, their tracks are closed or there's uncertainty. Uh, there, look, the key to this is there's great leadership, right? You've got, Chris Kirsting and Bill Miller at SEMA, who are just anchors of the industry, have done just a tremendous job to, to grow uh, the aftermarket industry. Tim Martin's the chairman of the board. James Lawrence is the chair-elect. And then I've got Chris Douglas from CompCams, who's the chairman of the PRI Advisory Committee. So there's a lot of talented folks giving input and ideas, and most importantly, lending the support. So if there's great ideas, if there's an industry partner in need, I can turn to those people and say, look, we're going to go, we're going to go hire three ambassadors. We're going to get extra people for the call center. Um, we're going to try to expand our outreach because that's what we're here to do is to grow the entire industry. Brian, I'll give you some of my larger goals, right? Let's, let's survive the pandemic as number one. Let's, let's get to the PRI show in December. Let's celebrate uh, the racing industry. But you know, I want to bring tremendous value to people's lives. I think racing has greatly impacted my life in a positive way. I love the community that, that is racing. I find them to be extremely intelligent, hardworking, and creative people, and that's who I want to be around. Um, but 
we've got to think about racing in a higher light. You know, I want people, the general consumer to think about racing every weekend. So you can go to a stick and ball sport, you can go to the movies, you can just sit at home and watch Netflix, or you can go to the racetrack. And that might be to race your production car and just have fun or just to go watch. So my, my larger goal is to start taking on some of these bigger industries and making sure that racing is always in that conversation. That's great. And, you know, in my mind, I feel like, uh, you know, identity wise, I feel like we're starting to see the, the emergence of PRI's, you know, identity, if you will. And, and as again, as more than as more than just the great trade show that it is that, uh, you know, that is an essential part of, of the, the business aspect of American racing every year. But I, I also think we're starting to see it as an organization where people who have a passion, who have a love for racing, whether they are, as you said, a competitor or they're simply somebody who loves to populate the grandstands every Sunday, which is a vitally important part of this equation as well. Um, do you foresee, would it be crazy to think about a time when, you know, Joe Smith can be a part of PRI on on some sort of a personal level, as opposed to simply supporting his local racetrack, which you want him to do, but also feeling as though he is, uh, you know, in the club, if you will, of PRI. Yeah, I, I have a meeting with my boss, Chris Kersing, right after this call, and one of the agenda items is the continued conversation about a PRI membership, uh, and. It, there are several models out there. There's several levels of membership we can talk about, and I'm I'm at the very early stages of this. But again, the advisory committee, the board, they see the opportunity. There's no central unifying force in racing right now. Uh, how does an NHRA racer understand what's going on with their circle track neighbor, which might be right down the road, and that can greatly affect all of us. So there, there's an advocacy side of this. There's a professional side of this, and it's something that you and I have talked about a lot. If it's if it's developing the next generation of announcers, or if it's gener- the next generation of great managers for these racetrack facilities, I'm having people come to me and say, have we got managers that can come and run big facilities, Brian, places you and I have been to dozens of times, and they're having trouble finding the talent, the business talent to run these places. So those are areas that we can give back education just on general marketing, right? Like those mom and pop owned uh, tracks and facilities, how do we help educate them to be better marketers, to bring them into the digital age? You know, the, the, uh, the paperless time slips, the paperless tickets to get into racetracks, how do we bring the whole industry up to those standards? So those are the areas where a membership at PRI can benefit. And then then overall, the fans, we can talk about how do we help them with price breaks and more experiences. If you could buy one ticket and it could get you into any racetrack uh, for a full year, you know, maybe that's an opportunity we could look at any sport. But I'm certainly looking for ideas, Brian, and uh, for folks listening, you know, they can get a hold of you or me and – I think there's a future there for bringing the whole industry together. Yeah, and and I think you know to this point, um, as much as we as much as we are you know on on paper in our own voice, like we're all together in this, and and I mean that in terms of the of the racing world, um, to actually have you know that central 
unifying point that central stake to, to all kind of have a piece of um, would be great because as you know this is a very racing in itself is a very kind of provincial thing right we we as racers uh, identify ourselves as certain things like I am a drag racer and Graham Ray Hall is an IndyCar racer and, and that guy's a road racer and you know, I think we all like to have fun with that identity to some degree. You know, the drag racer guys always love to play the role of the, you know, guys with grease under their fingernails and, and their hair is all messed up. And we all like to think of the road racers as the dashing guys with the, you know, the finely pressed fire suit and, and not a hair out of place. Um, but in the end, our interests are all the same. And I think, you know, at least to me and, and in this conversation, certainly learning from you, uh, it does seem to, to me that, you know, having PRI as this central place for everybody really to look at and say yes like i'm a racer but i'm also a pri member or i'm a pri member and i'm a racer like i think that's a, a vitally important thing because as we all know in this country in this world it is strength in numbers ultimately that that gets a message across yeah we're, we're seeing examples of that everywhere right and and that's that's largely the point of this if, if pri can do anything just make sure that we're there to help people to bring value to their lives uh, and to make sure they always have a voice. It, this is a lifestyle, and and it can be taken away, right? We've seen that, that the tracks are frowned upon in certain communities. We we have to protect ourselves. We've got to make sure that we've got young folks coming in. Uh, but, uh, you know, right now it starts with getting tracks back online and getting the industry healthy, and then, then we'll take it up the, up the ladder. I guess one last question before I let you go would be, you know, I know me personally, I've been able to travel now to three or four events since uh, since our, you know, since I shouldn't say our, since the pandemic kind of stopped everything. And, and as tracks are coming back online, I've been able to do some different things. And it is it is amazing to me how adaptable we are as a sport, as a as a community. And you mentioned stuff like the paperless uh, time slips. I mean, I went to the, the PDRA, the Professional Drag Racers Association event last weekend at Darlington, South Carolina, and they had, you know, uh, paperless entry, paperless time slips that, you know, nobody had a touch situation. And this is something that like, Six months ago, no, nobody even thought about this, and not even a half a year later, maybe even three months later, we have an event that's being handled that is completely touchless. And it was stunning to me, in a positive way, that we could, as a as a sport, adapt that quickly to a situation like this. And I think it it bodes well for us in a lot of ways. It's a small example, but I guess to your experience, and and I know that uh, you know you've been on the job a total of a month, but you've been in this in this world for your, for your life. Have you ever seen a period where people not only were as willing to change, but as proactively trying to change in order to better themselves and their business? Yeah, it's funny. As you're describing this, and I'm getting the same feeling, but you know, remember where I'm coming from, the largest automotive manufacturer in the world, and it's, it's pretty much standard knowledge. If you're going to change a vehicle, it's a three- to five-year time frame. So if you, if you think about what it takes from a – from a production standpoint, and you think about how quickly racers have adapted to this, you're just talking about a matter of one or two months. Yeah. And incredibly intelligent, incredibly talented people that are going to find a way. Uh, and you know, I, I just got off a call with the trade show team and I, I told them I would, I would reference that phone call with you. You know, they're working awful hard to make sure everybody's safe when they get to Indianapolis, but, um, they, they are just fired up. To, to find solutions and, and make sure that uh, people are safe and, and ready to come to Indy. So 
yeah, we, we are racers. It's a lifestyle. People are going to find a way to enjoy that. Well, Dr. Jamie Meyer, I appreciate you taking the time out of your uh, busy schedule to talk to us today. I feel like this conversation um, is going to be very enlightening to a lot of our listeners who, you know, who understand the PRI exists, who understand that there's a big show that everyone goes every winter to Indianapolis to experience, but may not understand kind of what the overriding vision of going forward is. And, and frankly, I think it's going to comfort a lot of people to understand that um, that we do have a group with some horsepower kind of behind all of this, working hard for our interest and whether their direct interest on the racetrack, whether their health and safety interest or the kind of overriding interest of the industry. So thank you. Brian, thank you for the opportunity. And I, I, and I want to thank you for what you do for the, I'm a, I'm a huge fan of your work and uh, look forward to seeing you uh, in Indy in July and uh, taking in that first NHRA event. You and me both, brother. Thanks, Jamie. Thank you, pal. So a great conversation with Dr. Jamie Meyer, and I think uh, and I hope it was enlightening for you to understand that PRI is uh, changing, and PRI is changing to the benefit of racers and fans and racing organizations and sanctioning bodies and team owners. I think when we look at what the mission of PRI is evolving into, it's uh, it's a great thing for racing, especially in these times. You know, it's one thing to have an organization that puts on a great show and does help the commerce side of racing. It's another thing to commit resources to actually helping racetracks and facilities have better operations, have better management, have better backstopping behind them to keep things healthy and moving forward in the sport of not only drag racing, but across the sport of automotive competition, whether it's go-karting, monster trucks, mud bogging, you name it, whatever it is, PRI is there to support it. If you've never been to the PRI show, it is an industry show, so they do not sell tickets to the general public. Um, but I would encourage you to follow along on the PRI website, kind of understand what this event is and what it's for and how it does benefit the world of competition. NHRA Mellow Yellow Drag Racing, we are always at PRI. We typically have a live stage where we're doing interviews with racing luminaries and people from inside the world of the high-performance industry. It's a great way to learn more about the companies and the people that support the NHRA. It's also a great way to learn more about the drivers from in and out of the sport of drag racing and certainly in drag racing but may not be in NHRA drag racing. We do a lot of interviews with competitors from different sanctioning bodies and different styles of competition outside of the world of NHRA. Thanks for listening to this episode of the NHRA Insider Podcast. I feel like it was valuable, and I hope that you got a great lesson in the business of competition in the United States, who Dr. Jamie Meyer is and what his goals are in the upcoming years for the performance racing industry organization. We'll be back next week with more conversations with more people in and around the world of motorsports and NHRA drag racing. Next week, we'll go back to the drag strip with a couple of your favorite drivers. Thanks for listening. I'm Brian Loans.